Hello and welcome to Get Fruitful Conversations. I'm your host, Anwyn Cooper, and if you're interested in growing a passion-fueled, purpose-driven enterprise and believe that business can be a force for greater good, then this is the podcast for you. Each episode, I'll be talking with inspiring entrepreneurs and inviting them to share how they're pioneering new ways of working to create more prosperity and positive impact for people and the planet. We'll be bringing you fresh insight and practical actions to generate more income and impact through your own business. Our purpose is to give you new perspectives on how to align your vision to a bigger mission in a way that fulfills your personal potential while also generating a longer lasting legacy and more value for all. So thanks for tuning in. I'm delighted you're here to listen. Now let's get fruitful with today's conversation. So my guest today is James Gardner, Managing Director at Sinclair and Rush UK. He is a leader of the global manufacturing business and as someone who's passionate about building great teams, investing in growing businesses, always improving safety in the workplace and making the health and well-being of his people the top priority. So I'm really delighted to have James here today. Welcome, James. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. So this conversation is always themed around business as a force for good. And I just wanted to start off with that as our first question and invite you to share what does business as a force for good mean for you and your business? Yeah, it's a great question. For me, it always comes back to the people. Um, So, for example, we don't have staff or employees. We call everyone team members because we're part of a team, whether that's an individual team or as part of the bigger team. And just that terminology and those those words helps to set people in the right area, I think, in their brain as to what they're thinking about. And it doesn't matter whether you're running a manufacturing company or a restaurant or a gift shop, whatever it might be, you've got people there. And those people are really what makes your company. So that for me is always the most important thing is around your people, your team members. Yeah, absolutely. And I've had the privilege of coming to visit your premises in the past when we were, you know, able to get out and about a bit more and, and have group meetings. Um, and it was really interesting to come come around and actually meet some of your people and um, hear a bit more about how things work kind of on the ground. Um, really loved the way that you talked about encouraging people to sort of develop themselves and to create their dream lives and to use their jobs as as a kind of vehicle to create their ideal life really so I'm really interested to hear you talk a little bit more about that yeah no we we, um, we took an unusual step it was guided by our CEO president of the company in America actually he read a book called the dream manager and uh, he passed it on to us to read because he thought we would like it and we did we fell in love with it and then what we actually did was change the title of our HR manager and we made her human relations rather than human resources so her title is human relations and dream manager uh, and she will sit down with people isn't that a great and- job title <laughs> I, just, I just love that as a job title yeah no it's good and it, again it just captures people's imaginations and minds and, and makes them I, think, I guess think differently think bigger as well which is what it's all about um, so she'll sit down with people uh, and she'll go through them. This is from anybody, any team member that we've got um, that wants to be a part of, of that uh, Dream Manager program. 
and she'll work out where they currently are in their lives. Uh, she will dissect different areas of, of everyone's lives, whether it's family or, you know, finances and career and, and different things that people, we all are made up of those different things. She'll ask them to assess themselves as to how happy they are in those different areas. And then from that, we get a picture of where there's some strengths and some weaknesses, and we can approach that, um, those different areas in a different way. The next stage of that is the dreams, and it's about how to help people set their own dreams so that they can have physically written down dreams of different areas uh, so that they can think about where they want to be in the future. We try and set short-term, medium-term, and long-term dreams uh, for people to be able to work on throughout the rest of their careers and lives as well and encourage others to be able to do that. And what the wonderful thing is, is doing it as part of an organization and a company, we're able to pull resources in from other people. So, for example, one person's dream might be to be able to swim. And another person in our, our organization may be a fantastic swimming person or a coach or what have you. Uh, and, and that may be something that they can do. Another person's dream might be to drive in an old classic car or something like that. And we may then know somebody that's connected to somebody else who's got an old classic car and would be very happy to take them out in that. And they're live examples that I've given you there, just a couple off the top of my head um, that I could think of to be able to help, you know, people achieve their dreams and, and that sort of, you know, is a, is a kind of a byproduct of, of working with us and for us as well, that they get to do that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Sounds, sounds great. Um, so I'm really interested to hear now a little bit more about your business journey. I know that you studied business studies at college and have gone on to do diploma in strategic management and leadership. And you also did a degree in business economics. And you've been with your current company for a few years now, but you've obviously had a bit of a journey to get to the position that you're in now where you're kind of at the top of the team. So can you just tell us a little bit about how you came to be doing what you do now? Yeah. What, what sort of lessons have you learned along the way? Gosh, yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and keep it short and sweet. But um, but no, you're right. I um, I always wanted to be in business. Um, I knew that. I think my mum uh, sort of drilled that into me. Both my mum and dad are wonderful um, parents to me, still alive and still very much you know heavily involved in our lives. And uh, mum was a businesswoman and actually one of the first really of of her time uh, and and sort of first managers in in the council that she worked for. Um, so I learned a lot from her. And dad was very physical, hands on. He was an engineer. Uh, and, a, and a welder and mum saw how hard that was physically hard work for him and I think she's wanted to steer me uh, down a different path of working in an office rather than working uh, in, a, in, a, in a sort of you know engineering type environment um, I was able to do both which was wonderful as well so I got a bit of uh, you know experience in both but my heart really was in business so I'd always wanted to be in business didn't quite know what business at an early age so I studied business studies at school and then went on to um, West Kent College in Tunbridge to do business studies there at a GMBQ level and then went on to Hertfordshire University like you said to do business economics uh, and and I've just got a passion for for learning uh, and especially leadership as well and um, that sort of carried on really throughout my whole career so after leaving university I worked for a small family business for a while and then um, realized that I wouldn't be able to progress much in that business unless somebody had sort of you know retired or moved on or or worse you know so um, uh, so I quickly wanted to go and conquer the world and I went up to London I worked for HSBC Bank for a year, 
in one of their large distribution centers in Southwark, um, over 200 people in there, and it was a fantastic experience. I left there and went to work for Connex Southeast and the train company at the time in their HR department. Gosh, I remember that. <laughs> so uh, back in the day, uh, and uh, I remember moving from job to job. I was on exactly the same pay, but I got a free train pass for working for the train oh, company. Yeah. So that felt like a big rise at the time when I was in my early 20s. Um, and then from there, I can still remember the day my brother was working for Sinclair and Rush. Mm. <laughs> uh, he was a sales uh, guy for them. And he saw a niche in the market for small to medium volumes. Sinclair and Rush predominantly has always historically been a large volume manufacturer. So their minimum quantities would have been 5,000 pieces of a protective cap or something like that for industry. Um, but he'd have people on the phone every day saying, I only need a thousand. Can I, you know, can I just buy a thousand? So a long story cut short, with the blessing of Sinclair and Rush at the time, just over 20 years ago, we set up a company called Component Force. And we would buy from Sinclair and Rush in those large volumes and then break them down and sell them off in smaller volumes to people that wanted small to medium volumes. Fast forwarding over a 10 year period, we grew that company from nothing. It was a startup um, and I left my job at, at uh, Connex to go and work there full time. Uh, and we grew that company. We then set up in America because we saw a need over in America for what we were doing. And we grew that business over there again from nothing. That was Component Force USA. Uh, and we, we started there in my wife's aunt's um, spare room. Uh, and I was traveling back and forth. I think I did 13 trips in one year to America uh, and a trip to China in the middle of that as well. So my, my time zones and body clock was all out of sync. But um, wonderful experience, a lovely group of people that we had over in the States as well by the time that we then eventually sold Component Force back to Sinclair and Rush. So it mm -hmm. really did go full circle. We were able to keep all of our team members, both in the US and in the UK, on board as part of the deal. That was really important to us, um, that, you know, as not, uh, along with what we wanted for the company. But that was really, uh, you know, uh, we weren't negotiable on that. So everyone had to be able to be offered the job, which they were. Uh, and a lot of them have stayed on still to this day, which is fantastic. Um, and we have also stayed on as well. So my brother retired a few years ago uh, at the grand age of 52. Uh, and um, I then took over as MD of Sinclair and Rush. Uh, and I've been doing that now for the last two, three years. So uh, it's been fascinating. And, and interesting, you said at the beginning of that little section there that, you know, now I've got to the top of the team, whereas actually I like the inverted pyramid style, mm -hmm. where actually I think I'm at the bottom of the pyramid uh, and that I'm working for everybody else as much as I can. And, and actually the people on the front line are operators, our dispatch team that's sending the goods out there, the guys and girls on the phones, you know, with sales and customer service and purchasing and accounts, everyone is just so vitally important um, that actually I'm the least important person in that whole chain of things. So put me at the bottom and, and I'll work for everybody else. Yeah, really interesting way of seeing it. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so what would you say have been your main learnings along the way as you've been progressing through all of those different roles? There's literally been thousands, but one sure, thing that just, yeah. Uh, yeah, that came to mind was the ability to deal with change and adapt to change quickly. So I remember um, setting up in, in the States, we were trying to recruit some salespeople and we wanted two salespeople to join the team. So I'd done some telephone interviews here from the UK, set up some face-to-face -face interviews in our offices in America, flew out there for a week to do those interviews was flying back for a week because I had a wedding and then flying back over for two weeks to train up the new recruits. And one of the guys was fantastic. He was worked in our industry, really professional um, and was our top choice of, of people to take on board. We offered him the position. He accepted it. Everything was fine. 
And then I remember getting closer to that week of him starting and he wasn't returning my emails. He wasn't returning my calls. And I literally flew over not knowing whether he'd turn up or not. And on the Sunday night, I'm in the office trying to call him again for one last time. And he answered and said, I'm really sorry, I can't come over. I've, I've got a non-compete in my contract, which I didn't realize, and I can't come over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was there Monday morning was being you know, the start of the two weeks training that I was supposed to be doing with these two new guys. So I phoned up the third choice person that I had because we'd interviewed quite a few people and he was able to start on that uh, Monday morning. But it was just a, a realization from, oh my goodness, you know, we've got uh, over here investing this time and energy in these new people and my first choice person isn't even going to start. So that ability to change and adapt and overcome, which I know is kind of a military style thing, but it's so important in business as well. And then alongside that, I think what I've learned actually in my latter years in, in sort of leadership and, and you know, starting to mature a bit more is that you need other people around you. You need that team of people around you to be able to add their thoughts and ideas because you by yourself have only got one brain and one thought track, whereas other people will show you something different, tell you something different. And that's really, really important to be able to grow a bigger, better team and company than just with you doing it by yourself. Yeah, so true. So true. And obviously, this last year or so has seen a lot of change in the business world and just in the world at large. Um, How have you been adapting during this time? Yeah, it's been very challenging for everybody, you know, and um, we've all had to deal with it as as kind of a first time round. There's no books being written on this, you know, in our lifetime, that's for sure. And I think it was 1918 was the Spanish flu pandemic, which was sort of the biggest thing that anybody kind of in history can compare to. And, and none of us were here then. So it's it's been a year of firsts, really, you know, making decisions that are going to affect people, potentially their lives, you know, in, in, in the early days and unvaccinated days and things like that, um, as well as the company uh, and how we run that as well. So March the 16th, when Boris gave us the order that anybody that can work from home should work from home, we literally sent all the office workers working from home. Now, prior to that, we'd had one lady part-time in our accounts department that worked two or three days a week from home. Mm -hmm. And the 20 plus other people that were in the offices had never worked from home. So we just set up an infrastructure with our telephone system that it was VoIP so we could be able to make calls over the computer system uh, a few months before that. So it was a wonderful um, decision by my accounts manager, Louise, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to put that into place. And we had a guy in the canteen setting up people's computers to be able to work remotely. And one by one, they queued up and set up their computers to go home, took their staff and, you know, it's, it's hard to think back now, but if you remember on that March the 16th, we didn't know how long that was going to be for. No. We didn't know that it was, you know, we thought it might be a few weeks or months, you know, maximum. Mm. Um, we were still planning Christmas meals and different things like that, you know, last year, which never happened. So it was that uncertainty that we were dealing with. And what we wanted to do is, is just try and communicate with people as much as possible and try and keep things as normal as possible. So I remember at Easter time, everybody gets an Easter egg from the company. So I remember that I wanted to keep that the same. So we have manufacturing on site as well, 24 hours a day, um, you know, three different shift patterns. And we, you know, those guys and girls stayed on and carried on coming in. So they were the ones that were really in the uncertain areas Mm. of, of not knowing what was going on. And then the ones at home as well, 
some didn't gel well with it and others did and now i think over this you know year and a half that we've had of it people have got used to it now um but what we did is we delivered easter eggs to everybody at home you know in that first period there and then when we got webcams for people that didn't have them i went back out around and we you know we delivered those to people as well with along with stationery and you know all safely from a you know over two meter distance on the doorstep mm. um, but it was just things like that that we did to be able to communicate with people and then different team leaders that we've got they uh you know they would hold virtual coffee mornings with their teams and they would um you know just you know, have a lunch where they would you know just be on teams or zoom and and have lunch with each other because that's typically what they would have done in the office and that it's been wonderful how people have been you know imaginative and innovative in terms of how they can keep that communication up uh, and also keep their spirits up as well because that's been really hard yeah so important as you say to keep a sense of normality as much as possible keep doing those small touches that you do day to day what um what things going. yeah what things have you done or have you heard of other people that you work with you know in, in that time that sort of stuck out in your memory um that's an interesting question it's not really something we've we've talked about in these conversations actually um really this you're the first person that i've asked that question to <laughs> Um, obviously I've seen some examples um, sort of around me but yeah it's not not really something I've discussed particularly um, but I one thing that comes to mind that I did um, I was meant to be hosting an in-person meeting uh, a sort of a day long meeting with a lunch in the middle um, obviously that then got moved to zoom so I decided that I would send lunches out to people by special delivery um, just to kind of create a sense of excitement I think um, because there was just a period when I personally got so bored of eating the same food day in day out you know having sandwiches for lunch that I've made myself <laughs> and I was just missing that variety of, of eating something a little bit different and I just thought, okay, this might be a nice touch to send some lunch out for people. A, it, it's sort of, yeah, something fun to sort of mix up the, the day-to-day routine and also just to uh, have one less thing to do as well. You know, it was a very busy time for me and obviously lots of other people who were homeschooling or who had other kind of caring commitments and, and doing all of that alongside your, your normal business or, or job. So I just thought, okay, if I can send people a packed lunch, that's one less thing for them to have to go and prepare their lunch today. Yeah, that's so brilliant. That, that was kind of a nice little touch. Um, yeah. I think people appreciated. I bet. Um, yeah. But yeah, lot, lots of much more exciting examples, I'm sure, that, that are out there. That's just something yeah. that comes to mind. But it's those things, again, we've we've all had, you know, hundreds of Zoom meetings over this past 18 months or so. And, uh, you know, the, it's been mentioned a few times on meetings that I've had, but nobody's ever delivered it to me. So that would definitely stand out in people's memories, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's just creating those little moments, uh, I think, to lift people's spirits. Yeah. And I think also just creating a sense of a shared experience as well. I think when you're on your own at home in your own little world you can feel isolated and you know it's like it's just you on your own even if you are talking to people on zoom a lot um so i think there's something about food isn't there when you all eat together and you're all having the same thing um that it brings people together 
Absolutely. Yeah, no, we're a great one for that. And typically we would have done, you know, some fish and chips, you know, to celebrate things mm. or, you know, Christmas meals are always a really yeah, important time a for us. Occasion. So, uh, so, yeah, so we're hoping that maybe this December we can have a Christmas meal. It's, it's booked and uh, we're just waiting to see whether we're allowed to. Yeah, that would be great. Let's hope yeah. so. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so I want to ask you um, now about your inspiration in business. What inspires you? What inspires you to start the components business that you you start started and then sort of originally uh you know then sold on and what what sort of inspires you day to day to keep going and you know gets you out of bed in the morning yeah so, so my brother you know my brother paul who who we started that together you know he he's been a massive inspiration to me as my other brother pete has as well they've both been being that bit older you know they're kind of like having a second set of parents almost as well um and my grandparents as well, they worked uh, after the war on a, on a, in a market garden that they'd set up um, with the help of the, the, the government at the time to try and get businesses re-established. Uh, so my childhood summer holidays especially were wonderful memories of going over there, helping them in their market garden, small market garden, garden centre, you know, picking strawberries and, and eating some whilst you're picking them oh. uh, and helping customers with their orders and taking, you know, bedding plants back to their cars and different things like that. And you don't know as a young kid what you're experiencing and, and learning there, but you're learning that the hard work pays off. You're learning that actually, you know, uh, my granddad used to have this phrase that if you didn't have a bead of sweat on the end of your nose, you probably weren't working hard enough. <laughs> and um, he was just such a wonderful man, as was my, my nan as well. And uh, so their inspiration on, on us uh, and me, especially growing up, was that um, treat your you know treat your customers your clients your your people that are paying your wages really and again it was never explained in that way but treat those with respect people were coming back like friends to them you know a year after year and uh, uh, it was wonderful to be able to see that uh, and so so that's really stuck with me and then now even more in this position that I'm in which is you know very fortunate position to be in it's helping other people uh, as part of my team to grow and develop whatever level they're starting from everybody's important and actually what has been a wonderful thing about covid if you can say that is that the cleaners of the world the bin men of the world the you know the the, the people in in uh, supermarkets and things like that they're the ones that have been our key workers along with the wonderful nurses and doctors in, in the nhs and everything else but those people that before may have been looked down upon by others now have really come through to actually you're vital to running a company absolutely key uh, and you know i could come and go and people wouldn't notice too much but if you don't have the cleaner there cleaning up especially during the difficult times of covid being spread around then um, then you know it has such a knock-on effect so to help others with their dreams with their goals that's now really what excites me and keeps me going and trying to help people do that it keeps me on top of my game as well keeps me pushing to try and better myself keep learning I'm a great reader I believe that all leaders are readers so I love reading uh, and um, you know been part of your book club in the past as well which has been fantastic to try new books other people recommend uh, and I love listening to audio books so I never listen to anything in the car apart from that unless the girls are in the car with me and then they have mm -hmm. some music on um, but um, I've turned my car into a classroom and again listening to a wide range of books on different subjects from different people along with podcasting and different things as well so yeah lots of inspiration there yeah definitely thank you so um you've spoken a lot today about people I know that that's you know a real focus for you um but 
just thinking about the triple bottom line of people, profit and planet, and obviously the fact that you are running a plastics business um, means that, you know, the environment must be, you know, in, in your mind as well. And thinking about how you're producing your components in a sustainable way and, and so running the business in, in a way that minimizes negative impact on the environment as much as possible. I just wanted to invite you to share a little bit about what you're doing towards um, that side of things as well. Yeah, no, it's a great question and, and, and one that we get asked a lot. And it's interesting, you know, the David Attenborough Blue Planet documentary was fantastic and, and really brought to light the effect that plastics typically has, is having on our planet uh, and in, in a negative way. <clears throat> and what the last 18 months has done is almost turn that in another way where we've, we've be, you know, had to use disposables and, uh, and different items as well. But what we have done uh, as a company worldwide because Sinclair and Rush is a, is a global company with headquarters in America but also operations in China and Australia as well as here in the UK we have been constantly looking at ways to improve our manufacturing processes so some of our processes we are recycling you know 99% of what we would produce as waste in-house wow. and then that goes back into the process um, so that we are leaving a small amount of um you know, problems for the world to deal with as possible. We encourage our, our customers, our clients to be able to, you know, utilize uh, as efficiently as possible the products that they use. Um, and we are looking at, you know, we have an eco-warrior person within our company as well that's looking at ways of how we can be more uh, sustainable within our own business, LED lighting, obviously, throughout, um, and different things that we're looking at, insulation, everything else. Now, the fascinating thing with that is not only does it have a, a huge benefit to the planet and I've got two young girls, so I definitely want them and their children in time to, you know, enjoy the planet that we've enjoyed. Um, but it also has a, an effect on one of those other P's on the profit line as well, because we automatically become more profitable by doing those processes. Mm. And it's something that's, is, you know, I love the innovation that comes out of it and what people have come up with in, in especially in our world of plastics of, of what they can turn even a waste product in another area into a now a, a, an alternative for plastics um, has been just fantastic to see people utilize their brains and, and their skills to be able to do that. So we're always looking out for new ways of doing that. And we've piloted some uh, first line trials as well in our factory in the UK, where actually the Americans flew over to us to, to do the trials, which was really exciting as well. So so we're always looking to be better and to improve and to improve the environment as well. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. So I want to ask you before we go, um, I had to share your contact details and things like that. But as a final question to wrap up, um, would you like to share a top tip or some words of wisdom for anyone who is either starting up in business or already running a business and thinking about how their business can be a greater force for good? What would you like to say to them? So the, the thing I would say is you've got to write it down, set it as a goal uh, and have it there written down in front of you. So you know what you're aiming for and other people around you, if you have a team as well, know what you're all aiming for together. And if you have a team, then collaborate on that goal. So that's not just your goal necessarily, get input from other people as well. And if it's goals that are along the way of certain revenues or sizes or impact that you want to have on the world or on people, then make those multiple goals 
and have dates by them. If they don't have dates by them, they're just a dream. So you've got to have a date by your goals so that you know what you're aiming for and other people know what you're aiming for as well. So you're accountable. And the last bit to, to that is dream bigger than you've ever dreamt before. We always underestimate what we can do in a lifetime and try and overestimate what we can do in a short time. So set your goals up so that they are big, but they will take a little bit of time to get there. Learn patience uh, and time will, will pass anyway, but you will actually get to where you want to get to as long as that's written down and your goals will act as a magnet to pull you towards them. Brilliant. Thank you. Some really yeah big kind of galvanizing, motivating tips there thank you so yeah before we go um please share how can people get in touch with you or find out more about you and your business yeah absolutely so linkedin is a great way of we're, as we're live streaming on there so you can find me under james gardner g-a-r-d-n-e-r uh, on linkedin uh, or look up the sinclair and rush website uh, online you'll be able to find us there the uk one uh, and, and the contact us page there you'll be able to find my details there as well also on facebook uh, i have a separate podcast or sorry separate facebook group called amazing leaders a real passion of mine so you'll be able to find me if you search under facebook groups for amazing leaders brilliant and you also have a podcast of the same name so if people search for that they can find that as yes well. absolutely yeah amazing leaders on itunes and spotify and anywhere else you download your podcasts Brilliant. Well, thanks again, James. It's been really great to talk to you today and really enjoyed having you on as my guest. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Simon. It's wonderful. Thanks for listening in to today's Get Fruitful Conversation. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, I invite you to give us a five-star rating, leave a review, subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends and colleagues to check it out too. This will help us reach a wider audience and make sure you don't miss out on future episodes. If you'd like to get in touch, connect with other like-minded people in business and continue conversations about topics discussed here, then I'd love you to come and find our community online. It's free to join us. Just search for the Get Fruitful Business for Good group over on Facebook, visit my website, getfruitfulmarketing.com or click the links in the show notes. I'd love to hear what business for good means for you. Until next time, goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.